Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, support families, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting in the outdoors, my mission is to help you move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Join us here weekly as we talk about fitness and mindset, accountability, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. This podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, high quality supplements for rugged individuals. Wilderness Athlete has been making the best supplements that will give you an edge in the wilderness, the gym, and life for the last 17 years. Head to wildernessathlete.com to see their products and use the code no excuses to save money and support you on your way to your best health. Also brought to you by Baku eBikes. Baku is building top quality eBikes, helping you get farther and enjoy the hunt. Find more at Baku.com. That's B-A-K-C-O-U.com. You can use the code HerOutdoorJourney to save a few hundred dollars on your new electric bike. South Dakota is expanding pheasant hunting's horizons and giving sportswomen a greater voice in the field. The connection to nature, the adrenaline of the hunt, the satisfaction of eating the game you bag. Hunting is our shared legacy. Everyone is welcome to enjoy it. Go to HuntTheGreatestSD.com to hear stories from women who hunt and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. That's HuntTheGreatestSD.com. South Dakota, sportswomen welcome. And we're recording. Like, the red button is going. I see, like, numbers and all all these things. So... Welcome to the show, Jessica Crane. I'm thrilled to have you on. Um, I'm kind of laughing this morning because we're just like winging it. I'm trying a whole new program. So hopefully this goes through well. Um, but it's nice because in the past, I have not done video very often with my podcast. So it's nice to be able to see your face and to talk to you. Um, we haven't really talked a ton since Alaska, which we're going to get into today. Um, but welcome to the show and just give us a little glimpse of who Jessica Crane is. Um, well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm 26 years old. I live in Prineville, Oregon. And um, actually, me and my husband both live here. We're both really into the outdoors, um, into fitness. We love always being just active and going. Very, very busy people. And within the last couple of years, I got into videography and not as much photos, but a lot of videos and kind of taking that passion and running with it. Um, my husband has done it in the past. He does more photos. I do more videos. So we kind of go off of each other on that. And yeah, going to kind of keep going with this and tell our story. So what inspired you guys to start filming? I mean, obviously you have a passion for the outdoors. You love being outside and it's beautiful and all the things. But what inspired you to put a camera in your hand and try to capture it in that way? The emotion. Um, I feel that it used to be so much about the kill shot and just like capturing that moment of hunting. There's so much more moments than that. And when you have a camera in your hand and you're standing on the outside to catch that raw emotion, um, you see it with your eyes and not very many people get to experience that. So it's the fact of sharing it with people and sharing that there's more to hunting than just the kill shot. And there's this, the camaraderie, there's the just moments that you do not catch anywhere else except for in that. What have been some of the challenges for you guys um, as far as trying to capture that 
uh, one of the questions that I have, and I think I could echo this for maybe some of the listeners, but, you know, I think there are moments where capturing what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're at can almost take away from the experience in that moment. Of course, you have the added benefit of after that time, right? When you're there in the present moment, you get to go back through that. You have the videos, you have the pictures, you have all that stuff. So it does add to it. But how do you kind of keep yourself in your lane with staying in the present time and getting to enjoy where you are, but also being able to capture that? So I've had this comment actually a lot of man, you're not getting to enjoy the hunt. You're not getting to do any of that. Yeah, I am. Like, I, just to be there and I'm still seeing the same thing I am through the lens. I'm still soaking it, every bit of it in. And what you don't see is I'm not recording 24-7 of this hunt or of our hunt or of our moments. I mean, I'm grabbing a two-minute, even like 30-second film, the ones that you throw on Instagram. Those don't take that long to film. I'm still right there in it. I'm right there present. But I almost, I feel, get more out of it because I get to get to take in it all. Like I am looking through this lens and I'm capturing it all. And I stay present as I can be, but I'm not recording 24-7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's important to remember. And and honestly, everybody is so driven and, and passionate about different things. So, you know, where for you, that's a part of what like fills your cup and brings you joy in those experiences is being able to capture that, right? Like it's not a burden for you to have, a, a you know, a, a camera in your hand, whereas for other people who might not share that same sentiment with you, maybe for them, it's easier to think like, well, that would take me out of the moment. And maybe, you know, maybe for them, that's true. But that's a good, it's a good way to look at it that just because you see, you know, a, a 30 second film or a 15 minute film doesn't mean that the entire time you spent or somebody spent just, you know, capturing things. But again, I think it's really important to remember that we're all driven so differently, you know, for us, that's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's fun to be able to share that. Um, and I think for you, a part of that is also getting to show other people to help inspire them. Let's talk a little bit about kind of how you feel with putting yourself out there, recording this stuff, and then getting to, you know, basically be the gateway drug for somebody else to go like, oh, I want to go there. I want to see that. I want to, you know, bugle with those elk. I want to go and have that. What is that like for you? And what is your motivation in getting to share that with other people? I There's so much even to that question because there's some girls that I've met and there's some guys that I've met, kids, older people. It doesn't matter what age. They're so, they want to get into it, whether they live in a different area and they're not surrounded by elk, right? They're not surrounded by this type of thing. Like we had a gal at the ladies camp. She wants to go elk hunting so bad. And just to even put that glimpse into their hand of just on Instagram, looking at that going, man, that is such a cool experience and she can do it. And this is how she does it. And this is her. And I can do that too. There's people that don't get to see too much around, I guess, with hunting. Um, They're not, they didn't grow up around it. They didn't. And you can start wherever you want Mm -hmm. in hunting. Um, So just having that little bit of video to show people what it's about is big for me. Yeah, I really, you know, I don't think everybody feels this way, but personally, and you might agree, I feel somewhat of a sense of responsibility to help motivate other people, not, not just to go out there and to experience it, but just to to tell them, to prove to them, to show them you can, 
go out there. You can start. And like you said, everybody has a different starting place and everybody's, you know, right now looks a little bit different, but you know, if, if we put something out there and it's a little glimpse that gives somebody a taste of what that could be for them and they go out and then they can build, you know, their knowledge and their skills. And, you know, I I hear this and this is something it's for me, I've had my own journey too. So I grew up hunting with my dad from the time I was like a tiny, tiny kid, a toddler, um, you know, got to see harvest with him, started hunting myself when I was 11, but that didn't just look like me going out and like doing my own thing, you know, as soon as I could, even after, um, you know, my dad kind of started, stopped hunting a bit and I was going more on my own. When you get in the rig and you got your stuff packed and you're going on a hunt by yourself, it's different, right? There is some sense of, um, camaraderie, safety, uh, when you when you're going with somebody else, when you start going hunting by yourself, to me and my experience, it was a different game. I didn't start going five miles in on my own day one, right? I started yeah. going like maybe honestly a couple hundred yards from my truck, and then I'm like, okay, and then I built on that. And so I think some people get a little bit intimidated about like how do I do this? How do I go hunt by myself if I don't have a partner, a dad, you know, anybody else to give me that mentorship? What kind of advice do you have for somebody who's in that boat right now going, gosh, I love what you're doing. You have inspired me to get out, but I just don't know really how to do it, feel safe or comfortable doing it. Yeah. I think your first step is if you are, um, a lot of people who reach out, I guess to me would be through social media, reach out to people on social media we're willing to chit chat about it. I mean, we're willing to talk whatever you, whatever questions you got, but then just like you said, build it slow. Like if you, you don't have to go right out and go, I'm going to go elk hunting. I'm going to go purchase a tag and I'm going to do it today. No, start out. You could go shed hunting. You start out and you could go in where you could still see your pickup, build up to that, then get to where you're just passing your pickup. Then keep going a little bit more after that. YouTube is also a great resource. I mean, for what type of just things that you need to know about it, there's so many people who have a lot of information, whether you want to talk to somebody or you could search it. There's so many, so much information out there, but I just say, build it small, start out small, just even go for hikes by yourself, go on a main trail by yourself. Um, that still has that nature surrounding to it. And it'll get you more used to being in the outdoors. that's my best advice that I got. Yeah. And it's, it's repetition, right? So it's the more you do it, I think the more comfortable you are, the more in your element you become, because it's just like anything else that we practice, you know, you, you just, it becomes a habit. It becomes second nature. It becomes something that's more normal to you. And the first couple of times don't feel bad if you're nervous to go or scared to go. Um, and obviously, and I've talked about this on the show quite a bit, just safety things. So just touching again on those in case somebody hasn't listened to the entire episode, but things to do for safety, you know, make sure that you tell somebody where you're going, when you'll be back, um, take a way to communicate. If, if there's going to be no service, make sure that you have some form of, you know, there's multiple different devices now that will let you, um, communicate with somebody or invite somebody to go on that hike or walk or shed hunting trip with you, you know? Um, but also what are some of the safety things that you try to implement when you're going out, whether it's going for a long hike or going hunting? Um, I always make sure that I have Onyx maps, maps downloaded for that area. I mean, I get, I'm the kind of person I get turned around and I, I am awful at it. <laughs> so I make sure that I have a map downloaded and that's just a simple app that's on your phone. 
And I always let somebody know where I'm going. And I keep that communication up. I usually know in the areas that I've serviced or that I don't. Um, I do have a communication device for that too. Um, I set the limit on where I'm going to go. I usually tell my husband and um, even my dad, I tell him where I'm going. Because it's always nice to have that security of, hey, if something happened and I'm not back before dark or this time, this is where I'm at. And then I always, um, I always carry a sidearm anywhere I go. I just like that protection. I think I'm more scared of people than I am animals. Yeah, for sure. So I like to have that sense of security. On definitely, me. definitely. And Onyx Maps, you were talking about that. It's a really good resource. Um, and just to give them a little shout out, they have a seven day free trial for anybody who has not tried it before. So you can jump online. I think it's onyxmaps.com and try the seven day free trial. Something that's really cool with that too, if you're just getting your feet wet with getting out there and kind of going on hikes or, you know, marching around in the woods, they have a tracking system. So you can actually, so when you leave your, your car, which I always mark my camp, or car or wherever my entry point is when I'm going. Um, but you can also turn on the tracker, um, which will, if you want to go in 19 miles, it's going to show you your 19 miles right back. Obviously, you're going to use up your battery. So maybe bring a way to charge. Um, but that would be really nice because then it gives you that confidence of having, you know, that familiar track on the way back. So that could be a really good option as well. I want yeah. to talk about um, some questions that people had about our Alaska trip, um, but I want to give a little like preface to this whole thing because it's kind of wild. Like, let's be yeah. honest, it's a little bit wild how this whole Alaska caribou moose hunt went down. So uh, to give a little backstory here, you and I had never met before like June of yeah. this year. This <laughs> right? year. <laughs> so, so, um, you ended up coming to one of my ladies weekends events here in Oregon. And, uh, by the way, Jessica Crane, I'm not even kidding is a gem. She is so awesome down to earth, easy to get along with, which was super fun to have at camp. So I really enjoyed you being there, but the <laughs> I knew, I knew immediately I was like, this chick is really cool. I like her <laughs> a lot. Her and I would get along. Um, and so you came to the first camp that of this year, and then you ended up coming back to the second camp and were able to film some of that and get some of the lady stories and, and just did some really cool things with that. Um, and then it kind of transpired really rapidly after that. Cause this was what in June, no, wait, when was that? It was August. So this was the August camp. So we're looking at like August 13th yeah. and, um, I had had a, a trip planned. So Dustin and I drew caribou tags, pretty decent caribou tags in Alaska. And, uh, immediately we wanted to, or we knew that we wanted to take the kids and give them this fly-in experience. And we had the, the bush plane booked and we had all of that going on. And um, the kids were really excited, but I think also a little bit nervous and just kind of unsure, like, okay, we're going to go get dropped by airplane into the middle of freaking nowhere with God knows what, right? So there was some apprehension, not, not even just for them, you know, but for myself included, you know, that was my first fly-in. And as it all unfolded, um, our oldest son wasn't able to go on the trip. So there were some other things that he had arranged that he just couldn't make it. And I'm like, well, shoot. Okay. So we already have, you know, all four seats ready to go and paid for and stuff. And, and sure, it'd be fun just for the three of us, you know, Dustin, Gabe and myself to go, but I don't know, there was just something about your, um, your 
curiosity, your passion for, for not just filming, but just for capturing experiences. And I just, I like not even jokingly, but just kind of like testing the waters. I sent you a text message and, and I can't remember the exact words, but I was like, so what about like, would you be interested in going to Alaska on a fly-in hunt? And I, I think you said, I don't know if you're kidding or not, but definitely interested, you know, so <laughs> like that is yes. <laughs> so um, you took this huge leap of faith and knowing this girl for very limited amounts of time, right? We spent two weekends together, chit chatted here and there. So, you know, when you when you think about putting yourself into elements with somebody, and, and we can talk about this a little bit more in depth, too. It's you got to have some kind of a trust with this person you know, one, are they a douchebag or not? Right. But two, like safety wise, you know, do they handle their firearms the right way? Are we going to get into, uh, you know, do they know how to read the elements? Do they know how to read the sign? Do, you know, so talk to me, let's like rewind now that we've got this story out here. And so when I sent you that text message and said like, Hey, so what about this fly in to Alaska? Where did your like mind and heart and all the things go at that point? I think it hit every single corner. Like I was, I was so curious if you were telling, like if you were actually wanting me to go and like, man, this could be, this could be huge. Like this could be so exciting. It could be frightening. It could be absolutely everything, but also I'm just going with people that I barely know. And, but I just felt this sense of security. I'm like, this is something I need to know. Like if you're not, if you're not keeping yourself uncomfortable in life, you're not growing. Like, and that's my, that's been my motto with life. So I just, I looked at Cody, my husband, and I was like, okay, I, I think I need to take this leap. He goes, I don't even know why you're asking. I don't even know why you're talking to me about it because you need to already be packing. Like, let's go, like, let's do this. And that, I just knew it was going to be an experience, whether it was the best experience or the worst experience, something to grow from. Yeah, you knew one way or the other, some, some stuff would go down on that trip for sure. Well, and it's, it's amazing to have that support, you know, and, and, and a blessing because not everybody does have that kind of, um, initiative and support from their partner, which is unfortunate, but you know, it's, it's great because he knows, he knows what you want. He knows, mm-hmm. he, he knew that that trip would be life-changing for you. So um, kudos to Cody for yeah. just having that, having your back, you know, and knowing that you were about to, to do something that would probably change at least your perspective. So, you know, expectations too are hard. Um, either sometimes you can, you can be so overthinking in a moment that you are dissecting everything before it's happened, you know, what's going to go wrong, what will go wrong, you know, what will it look like, feel like, be like, what will the, what, you know, all of the things, there's so many layers to figuring out our expectation for something. And I remember, you know, cause you and I text back and forth several times before the trip, you know, obviously like gear, making sure that we have everything that we want to going into that trip, which was a little bit different because we got to pack according to a fly-in and not just a pack-in, which was great. So we got to take a few more um, of the luxury items. Um, But texting back and forth with you. And I remember at one point I said, like, what are you thinking? Like, what do you, what are your expectations for this trip? And I remember distinctly, you said, I don't even know what to expect. Like, no, at all. Yeah. So back, backstory, and I'm gonna make this really short. So my very first trip to Alaska ever was on a total whim with uh, a girl named Gina Shively. She is somebody that I knew again from online. 
her and I worked together with Wilderness Athlete doing some collaborative projects. And I really only knew her for a couple years online, but a couple years, not a couple months, right? So (laughs) I have a little more from her. Um, um, So I ended up going up to visit her in Anchorage. Her and I went out on hike and just like had like a long weekend together. And kind of out of nowhere, she was talking about this sheep trip that she was going to go on. She was going to do a girl's sheep trip. And long story short, she threw me the invite. And before I knew it, in like two months, I was going on my first sheep hunt. So kind of similar to you, there was just this like snowball effect of almost all of a sudden how I just like plopped down and like ended up in this really cool backcountry (laughs) sheep hunt experience. Um, But I remember, so when you said distinctly, I don't have any expectations, I remember the exact same feeling um, going into that. So Yes, I've seen sheep hunts. I've watched videos. I've seen pictures. I've seen the terrain, you know, from just what other people have captured. But I, when I, and and I do usually have expectations of things. This, my mind, it was like just a, I was just looking at a blank slate. Like there was nothing there. I couldn't envision how it was going to go down, how the hike would feel, what the weather would be like, what the outcome would be. So I totally feel you in that, like the slate was just, it was like a blank canvas right? So going from no expectations to showing up at the airport at Ride Air to (laughs) jump on the bush plane, go. Um, Wow. So I mean, right before I had no expectations because I was watching these YouTube videos of people going on these types of hunts. Every single one was different. And ours was even different from theirs. Like you can't have an expectation of it. I my heart was racing. I mean, I had some tears of joy and tears of sadness leaving here, but knowing where I'm going and getting on that plane. I just couldn't, my mind was racing the entire time. Once I got on that plane, I was like, man, I guess commercial planes, like to me are a lot worse than how the bush plane was. Like I was more scared for commercial plane than the bush plane. (laughs) Um, but going into that and then seeing you guys, I'm like, Oh, this is it. Seeing you guys show up at the rider or at the airport in Fairbanks, I was like, yes, this is it. This is awesome. And I just couldn't, I didn't even, I couldn't even think outside of where I was. I was just present the entire time. I just was ready for what was next, present, soaking it in as much as I could and capturing it all. Dude, like I just like the whole time you're talking and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about watching you come down the escalator. I'm thinking about when you turn the corner and like didn't see us and then you saw us and like, I could almost feel that heartbeat of yours just going like, what's next? you know, what's next? Here I am. You couldn't wipe the smile off my face at that point. No. And honestly, we just, I just kept remembering like saying to you and looking at you and be like, we're going to let, like, we're doing this. We're going, we're going in. This is going to be the adventure of a lifetime. Now keep in mind, I also have my 12 year old with me here. Right. So this is, this is also me, not only my first time flying in, but I know it's your first time. I've got my 12 year old who I have to keep alive and entertained this entire time. Right. So he's here. And yeah, I think honestly, just, just say like, there was a little bit of just not overwhelm, but maybe just like a mental, like explosion. Like what? I don't even know. There was just so many things going on in that moment. And then we walk out 
And I let you know that we are going to jump in the back of this U-Haul van, which probably isn't legal, but oh well. And because um, there was no rental car. So Fairbanks was like on a shortage of having rental cars. And so we improvised, which most hunters do, right? We just got resourceful. And um, thankfully, we had a blow up couch and we just we just winged it. And um Honestly, from that moment forward, it was almost like any of the nerves just kind of dissipated because I'm like, this is all just going to unfold how it is. It's going to be memories that we will never forget. Um, So we had a couple days in Fairbanks and then we ended up meeting up um, like on the second day and we headed to the airport and it was like, I don't know if you felt this way, but I was like, this is it. Like there's no more anticipation of what's about to happen. And honestly, so this was a, this was a a caribou draw tag that we drew. So we had two tags, Um, but you could also, so in Alaska, I'm a non-resident, Dustin's a resident. I could buy a moose tag for this area because it was a general area. And then I could use that to harvest to harvest my caribou if I wanted. So I didn't have to buy the caribou and the moose. I just bought the moose and then I could also, I could shoot um, a caribou in its place or I could shoot a moose if we saw it. For me, as somebody who is, you know, paying the money as a non-resident to come in, that to me, you know, that $200 or whatever it was more was worth it because it gave me, you know, dual opportunity. You know, if the caribou aren't there, which as they are like a migratory herd animal, it could be feast or famine, right? You can find some here or there, but if you don't find them, you know, they could, you know, not be there for a while. They might not come through there at all. And also a little bit limited for how much hiking I knew that we were going to do. Our plan wasn't necessarily to hike around with camp on our back. We brought a little bit more again because of the fly-in. So uh, we went into that. Um, Originally, my whole time planning from February 19th when we got notification that we got this permit to when we left in whenever it was, September, the whole time I just kept thinking caribou hunting, caribou hunting, caribou hunting. And it wasn't until like that week leading up. And then when we got there and I bought that, there was like, Oh, we might actually be moose hunting too. Like this could be anything. Um, so it was a little bit crazy in preparing for that, but flying in there when we actually got onto the plane. So you and Dustin flew out and then Gabe and I flew out after you. <clears throat> and I don't know there, it was captivating, breathtaking. Um, I never wanted that plane ride to end. That bush plane was for me was honestly life-changing. And so I let, I let Gabe sit up front and he was the co-pilot. And I don't know if there was more amazement in the beauty that I was seeing or in his eyes and his smile and his just his taking it all in. Right. So you've got this 360 view of Alaska and its wild, rugged, beautiful nature. Yeah. What was your thought on that bush plane in when we were coming in? How did you feel? What did you see? Like what, what happened in that moment? I, I feel like my head was stuck to the window. Like when I wasn't filming, I was stuck to the window and I was trying to film both and just stare out into this. Cause it was, it was beautiful. I mean, we saw this moose just go absolutely crazy um, shortly after we took off. And he was going around this bush, rolling and rolling and just going nuts. And just to see that, I was just like, 
that's Alaska. Like that is, that is it. Like I am done. My cup is filled. Here it is. Like, and just to see how much land is out there and what kind of animals are out there and how big the animals are and how strong they are. And they survive out there every single day. Like just, it it was mind blowing. It's something I didn't want to end either. Yeah. Honestly, I felt like all the money that we spent on this trip, I, this is, this is great. This is good. (laughs) Right. Exactly. There was just, it was, you know, it was something that I think a lot of people, myself included previous to this feels like it's so out of reach, you Mm -hmm. know, going to Alaska in itself. And obviously finances are part of anything that we do, but, um, I think that so many people think even beyond the financial stuff, like it's, I just, I could never do that. I could never go there. I could, you know, there's just this limitation. I think it comes to exploring what Alaska has to offer. And even from somebody who I would still consider to be very like beginner, like my feet are still just getting wet in this experience of Alaska. Um, it is for anybody. It's for anybody who has a passion and desire to go out there and see I don't want to use, I don't want to say life-changing again, because I've said it so many times, but I don't know how else to describe it because it is so awe-inspiring that I just think for me, I found a lot of myself. I found Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, I just come back from Alaska with it. My, my soul feels different. My perspective feels different. And I just don't want anybody listening to ever think, gosh, that's great, but I couldn't go there or I couldn't do that because you totally can. And honestly, you know, and we'll probably talk about this and maybe a part two of this podcast, but like logistically um, and financially how to do it. It's not that crazy. This was a DIY, basically over the counter, as far as the moose goes tag um, that we were able to do just winging it right. First time, you know, anybody can do it. So, um, we, we end up flying in and we had really good pilots because where we went, you and Dustin, I, I kind of had a different experience of the fly in, which I won't, it's not really important for this story, but so the pilot was taking you guys in, you landed at a few different strips and nothing was, you know, there was just a few things that weren't right about the places previous that you went. And he was really great. He ended up taking you guys to a few other spots until we found where we wanted to go. But tell me like, so once boots were on the ground, you're going to stay there. You and Dustin have your stuff pitched out on the runway, basically. What's that next feeling that you have about what's about to transpire? I just, I took a minute and I had to look around and I'm like, this freaking view. I mean, you've got the mountains, you've got, you've got everything at your fingertips and it was overwhelming and exhilarating, but so freaking peaceful. Like just to know that there's nothing and how quiet it was. And we're out here for the next eight days. I, I forget. And like we were out here for some days. Like let's, let's do this. Yeah. So cool. So Gabe and I flew in shortly after you and yeah, had the same experience. Just here we go. Like we have, I don't even remember eight or 10 days. I think we were planning for eight came out at six or something like that, but th- this is home right? Like let's nestle up, let's get comfy. Let's make this, you know, let's, let's start this because yeah, yeah. Now we get to dig in and get boots on the ground and go experience. And we were really blessed with getting to see a lot of animals, I think pretty quickly. 
Um, got to see some great moose. Never saw one caribou, which was really, I was thankful that I got the the moose tag, the moose upgrade. Um, but we did get to see some sheep. And like you said, the country just was absolutely amazing. We got to see a pack of wolves. And the quality of the the moose that we saw was was really fun too. But even more than that, I think just being able to have a lot of first times happening together where you get to reflect, you know, you get to talk about that sitting around the campfire at night was one of my favorite things. And mm-hmm. of course, um, and I'm going to ask you this now, cause this is like the question, my, my family, I ask them anytime we're doing something, I always say, what was your favorite part? So Jess, what was your favorite part of this entire Alaska trip? Oh man. Favorite part. That's really hard, especially for the amount of days that we were out there and just everything being new. That's so hard to narrow it down just to one thing. And I mean, this sounds like, I don't know if it's cliche is the right word for it, but watching you harvest your bull and being able to sit on this outside. And I mean, cause I've never seen a moose in person before. And to see these guys just be moving across this hillside, just massive. I mean, these guys are built and just to be able to watch this and even moments before the shots, I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is epic. And I mean, you've got the mountains in the background, you got the moose right here to know that there's moose, a a cow, right? where, like right behind us almost. And Gabe and I are just sitting there and watching him take in, but to see his reaction too, when you shot your bull, that was my heart melted. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was one proud son and it's just, that's that family part. That's that camaraderie. Yeah. And then just to see that harvest go down was pretty insane. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool, it's a cool experience. I, it's funny cause it's maybe a little bit hypocritical because I don't know how I would answer that question either. Like what was my favorite? I, all of it. It was just, there yeah. was, there were times that we were a little bit uncomfortable and we were physically pushed and we were mentally pushed and, you know, we had pretty good weather, but there were some times where, you know, it, it's one thing to be a little bit mentally and physically tapped, but if you throw in like a sprinkle of like crappy weather and rain, you know, or, or just anything else that just amplifies that physical mental exhaustion And I know, and I'm not picking on you at all. I've been there a million times, but I remember at one point on, I think it was like the ninth hour of packing out my bowl, right? And we're going through. So the terrain is not bad in like topographically, there's not a bunch of ups and downs, ascent, descent that you have to climb. It's not like we're in sheep mountains, but you have a little bit of elevation gain and loss. But the problem with this country was the tussocks. And, um, for people that don't know what tussocks are, they're like, if I were to describe it, I would say if Dr. Seuss made some, (laughs) (laughs) some, um, nature, right. He would have these big old mounds of grass that are basically in voids, right? So there's these big holes, but as soon as you step on a clump of grass, it like shoots one way or the other. So the entire time you're trying to just brace yourself and use your trekking poles to stay upright and, And it's not that it's the worst terrain, but it's not the best terrain. And it really does make everything harder. You're working your lower legs and and your stability and your core more. And we had pretty good weather throughout the entire pack out until kind of this last little window and it got really wet. It was raining pretty good. 
we were tired, we were kind of ready to be done. I know I was anyways. And um, it's one of those things where you almost start lying to yourself. Like, so one foot yeah. in front of the other, you're in, and I don't know, everybody I think might just find their own little mantra or something that they say. And for me, <laughs> I always say it could be worse, right? Yeah. Because in any situation, no matter how dire it is, and honestly, it could really be worse, right? You could be dying, but there could also be something eating you, you know, like there's just, always another element to it. And yeah. I remember at one of those points to, to turn around and say, you know, as cliche as it was, could be worse. And, and I just knew on your face, you were kind of at that moment where you were over it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, or- I had to stop and like, like give myself a freaking pep talk. Cause I'm a little, I mean, I'm like, I'm out of breath. It's hot. This pack's heavy. It's raining. It's, it's miserable. It's a good miserable though. Like, it sucked so bad. But once you got, once we reached that ending point, I was like, that's a good miserable. Yeah, it really is. Do you have any kind of like mental, like, do you try to focus on something? Do you have a, a mantra? Like, how do you get yourself from that point where you're like, screw it, like this sucks. Like I am mentally, physically tapped to pushing yourself. Cause there's no quitting in those moments, right? You just, no, you, you just got to yeah. grit through it. Right. So do you have anything that kind of keeps moving you forward or any, any advice in that area? Um, I mean, you're always going to, you're going to get those negative thoughts the entire time. You're going to beat yourself up and there's going to be times that you stop thinking positive thoughts, stop, take a deep breath, Imagine yourself sitting at that campfire when you get back. Imagine yourself eating that hot meal that you got back at camp. It's like, just keep that end in process. There's always an end. And don't have it be where you're standing at that moment. Remember, there's always an end and it'll be an accomplishment. Because the harder you push yourself, the more memorable that's going to be, but the more you're going to find out about yourself in Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. but I mean, I was at the point I had to stop and I had to take a deep breath and I was almost in tears. I was just like, dude, we have to do this like four more times <laughs> and we have to go across this. And you didn't know whether you'd end up in a puddle that was above your knee or if right. you were going to have maybe a solid step. And it was, it was hard mentally more than physically. It was so mental. Mm-hmm. Well, it's deceiving too. Cause I remember sending, well, so my dad, uh, we use Onyx and we use our um, InReach as well. So he just really enjoys and he probably physically could not go out and hunt in this in this uh, terrain. Um, he's had back surgeries and has some limitations. Um, so he really enjoys getting to live what I say vicariously through our hunts. So every night we send him a message and he's on the InReach and then he gets on Onyx and he's looking at the terrain and he's always like, did you check water over at such and such drain? And he just, he really enjoys <laughs> it, which, which I love. Um, but so he's looking on the maps, he's on Onyx and he's like, what do you mean? It's hard. He's like, that terrain looks easy, you know? So it's very deceiving. I think, uh, sometimes when you look at something, especially if you haven't had boots on the ground yet to think like, oh, that's not going to be that bad. And really like, if you stand at camp and you look out, you're like, oh, that's not bad until you Mm -hmm. know what you know. And then you're like, (laughs) oh yeah, we've got to do this four more times. I might die. But yeah, um, that was definitely adjustment. <laughs> it was. To figure that out. It really was. But in in my head, I was like, "Gosh, elk hunting is going to be really easy this year." Comparatively, <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, I didn't get an elk season because COVID point uh, two hit my house again. <laughs> um, so we we enjoyed quarantine instead of elk bugling, which was pretty unfortunate this year. But that's okay. Talk a little bit about your elk season this year. I know you guys kind of had a tough one too. But what was that like for you? Yeah. So. 
I mean, just to step out of the dang pickup and have solid ground underneath my feet, I was thankful. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. Alaska is amazing. And I like would to go there tomorrow. Um, it's just to get your feet on solid ground. You're thankful for that. But it was it was kind of a rough year for us. Uh, we didn't have a lot of moisture here in Oregon. Uh, so all of our water sources were completely dried up. So we had a really hard time locating elk and experiencing that side of it was very, very difficult for us. So we didn't do that hot on elk season, but it just, it was a different perspective going from Alaska to Oregon elk hunt. It's just, that's two different things. And it just, Alaska opened my eyes and it was, it was pretty cool. Do you think you could come back? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I want to take Cody there. I mean, not to get too off of subject, but just to be able to accomplish that on my own was such a big moment for me to go without having like go to that area and not have my sidekick with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was, it was something I needed, I think a lot, but I want to take him there and I want him to experience it. Do you feel like it's changed your level of confidence or the way that you see yourself? Absolutely. Um, I push myself very, very hard. I have definitely worked. I used to not be very into fitness and I have really tried within the last couple of years to really work on that. Um, and after I went to Alaska and packed out two freaking moose, like I felt unstoppable. Like, I don't care how uncomfortable you are. You can freaking make it. Your bodies can work so much harder than your mind thinks it can. Do you think you would change anything about the process? I mean, obviously you didn't have time really to get ready or prepare or change anything physically, right? In that amount of time. But if, so if you decide to come back or when you decide to come back, will you have a different approach to getting yourself ready for this kind of a hunt as opposed to maybe your elk hunt in Oregon? Yeah, um, absolutely. One thing that did help me so much though, was your list, like your list on your, um, site helps me out so much because just to physically check off all of those things but it's also just it's it's very different packing but how do I explain that there was so much freaking food that we had to bring that that blew my mind that was an adjustment I've never had to bring that much food and figure out how to pack it and what lightweight stuff to pack and that I had to be more like realize how heavy is this how much room is this yeah. going to take up yep. compared to an elk hunt where if you have a base camp or if you're just going out for a couple nights, it's a lot different than when you're going out there for eight days. Mm-hmm. It really but, is. And there's no like, okay, we'll just run back to the store yeah. or we'll, you know, jump in the rig and we'll head, you know, like there's none of that. And I think that's one of the things to me that is so fascinating um, about this kind of a hunt is that there's no going back. There's no, mm-hmm. you got you've got, you have to be prepared. You have to show up with what you need in precise, precise amounts with also being very weight conscious, right? Cause if you got yeah. a few extra ounces here and there, you're, you know, carrying an extra 10 pounds, um, mm-hmm. which is a mistake that I made on my first trip to Alaska when I was sheep hunting. I mean, I kid you not, I brought up, this sounds so stupid and I'm going <laughs> to totally say it. Um, and I brought it as a joke because I went with, um, Gina Shively and um, Zach Kenner. 
And I joking, and he's a buddy of mine. I've known him for a long time. So I was giving him crap and I said, I'm going to paint your, we're going to, we're going to getting weathered in and I'm going to paint your fingernails. And so and then I forgot that I had thrown in this freaking bottle of white uh, nail polish. So I brought that in. I brought a journal, a pen, which I wrote one sentence in the whole time. Um, and just, you know, heavier, heavier stuff. So when you're going on something where you're carrying it around with you 24 seven, weight is really, really important. Yeah. Was there anything on, I'm going to ask you two questions. Was there anything on that trip that you realized you really don't need? And second question, what was like the most comforting like thing that you brought that you were so grateful for? Oh, I feel like my thing that I feel like I didn't need to bring it is not super relatable, but dang, I brought a lot of camera batteries. <laughs> I brought so many camera batteries because I was like, I cannot, like, I'm going here to film this. I can't run out of batteries. I'm like, what if it's so cold and it drains them? I just, I'm still pretty dang new into this. So just how much camera gear that I had to bring was, it was just different. Um, man, my most comforting. That's a hard one. So I think it had to be my like luxurious freaking pillow. Like that thing was good. Like it's still a blow up pillow. It's still lightweight, but it was like good stuff. Like it was, it was perfect for every single night just to freaking crawl in bed, put on that new pair of socks and just relax. Like Ouch. that was good stuff. Ouch. That hurts. <laughs> Considering I didn't have an air mattress cause mine wouldn't hold air. <laughs> wow. That was a low blow. You were, Jess. You were dreading going to bed. I oh, totally I literally, I was. And it was funny because then my, my 12 year old son, Gabe, I would wake up every morning and he's not even on his air mattress. No. And I'm like, why don't I just take, like, he's not, you know, but then I was like, I can't, you know, let him sleep on the ground. What we didn't know after we like pulled the tent and pulled the Tyvek off the bottom, I was legitimately sleeping on like a pile of jagged rocks. So <laughs> while you were enjoying your luxurious pillow and your extra large air mattress, Dude, I was... It. I'm like brute. Like I got, I still got bruises on my back from these damn rocks. So yeah, you're right. No, at night I really didn't want to go to sleep. <laughs> One uh, thing I was missing though, like when I was packing my snacks, I needed something salty and crunchy because mm. everything that I packed was not that. And you get those cravings of like having that different texture of things. Dude, I wish that I would have packed something like that. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Yeah, Next time. for sure. So on, your, that. on that gear list that you have, when it comes to like the food section, <laughs> salty and crunchy. Salty and that, crunchy. That's right got to be it for you. So let's move into talking about filming a little bit. I know that um, some people, again, are just kind of intimidated about how to get started. Do I need a bunch of really expensive equipment? How do I film myself? You know, is it selfie mode? Do I have to set something up? Like, run us through just a little bit of what you would recommend for somebody who wants to start capturing their hunts, um, but mm -hmm. don't necessarily know how and what gear you would recommend to get started. Yeah. So luckily we live in such an advanced like technology place now that your freaking phone can go so far. Like your phone can do so much more than you think that it can't. And there's so many people that are like, I can barely afford to hunt. I can't even, I have to get all this stuff to hunt and then I'm going to try to film it. Dude, your phone. I mean, if you have a decent quality, newish phone, it's going to have a pretty dang good camera. And you can also change that quality on your camera. So just YouTube that on how to change your quality of your camera. And I mean, the new iPhones, you can film in 4K. 
Um, their audio is also pretty dang good. And if you have some headphones, that's even better. If you're trying to have that talking more, not putting music over it, um, to even elevate more of that. If you're going on the easier end, you can get a gimbal for your phone. That's what I started out with. Um, so that gimbal, I got it just off of Amazon and you just throw your phone into it make sure it's the right phone for the right gimbal. And it let it balances your phone so well that it makes that image even more high quality. And you have those smooth transitions. Um, you can also even do selfie mode on it, but you're not shaking the entire time mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them also have a bottom stand. So you could set it up and walk away from it. There's a lot of different stuff too that can go into that. And there's an app for it. Uh, if you just YouTube, just phone gimbals or just send me a message on Instagram and ask me which one I had and how it works. Um, and then you can get into just cheaper handy cam. So handy cam is just your camcorder and it can flip back into selfie mode and you can record yourself. And those can run from anywhere to 300 to 800 to even more than that. But to start out on the cheaper end, you can just get a handy cam and go with it, but you can have all of these resources, but if you don't know how to tell a story or you don't want to tell a story, you're going to be able to tell that inside your film. So really work, really work on just even taking videos of yourself and knowing what you want to capture. And you're going to realize that after a few times of you going out, you go, man, I'm missing this spot of this video. I need to go back and I need to, when I go out next, I need to make sure I get that spot. That way you have the full storyline. And then you can upgrade to more advanced cameras and kind of go from there but make sure that you like it first and make sure that you want to tell that story and you're good at telling that story so so say somebody went out and they captured this they have some supporting b-roll so some other stuff to support you know maybe it's wildlife or maybe it's a sunset or maybe it's driving or fueling up Um, they have enough content that they're going to whip together this video what would you recommend, um, say somebody's using an iPhone or, you know, using their phone to film, what would you say they should use for ease of use for editing? Um, so this sounds silly, but Instagram reels and TikTok, that's just easy to do. Like if you want to throw it on your social media and that's what you want to do with it, go through that. You can pick a freaking song for it. You can splice down each video. There's a lot more into it than you think that there is. Um, just mess around with it and you'll learn more and more each time. But those are super simple ones. But if you're looking to get into like YouTube or like getting at that really nice video, you can get into more like you get into a subscription like Adobe Premiere Pro, which is what I use. But sometimes you just use TikTok and it's just easy and you can put some sweet music to it and show your journey through. Well, and that might be a fun way for somebody to kind of have... Um, to get a taste for it, you know, maybe they think they want to and they try it and it's really not for them. Or, you know, maybe like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, it removes them too much and they just, it's not for them. So that might be a good way to kind of test the waters to see if it's something they do enjoy doing. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any, in your opinion, there's no right or wrong answer, kind of some do's and don'ts when it comes to filming? Ooh. Um you can never capture a moment that you didn't press record. Like you have to keep that rolling as much as you can. And still, I don't film 24 seven. I'm not sitting here running, filling up all my SD cards, but you'll kind of find, okay, I need to be recording throughout this entire thing. Cause what if this person says something hilarious 
that I can now put in this video. And it's just so relative. Um, so I would just say, always be filming. Always what if somebody sure proposes you're... and you weren't, you know, like... right? Dustin, you let me hang in there. Like <laughs> we were done putting that freaking tag on. And I turn around like, what is going on? <laughs> oh yeah. So keep rolling. Okay. Good yeah, one. Keep rolling for sure. Um, and you're going to learn there's certain stuff that you're going to like when you're filming that other people aren't going to like when they're filming. Like there's different tastes in videos. There's no mm -hmm. wrong way. You can mm -hmm. make it any way that you want and your viewers will appreciate that. It'll set you apart. So there's no, there's no don'ts. Like you can't record this and you can't do this in your video. No, you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's your, your platform and what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. One of the things that comes to mind for me is beginning each video. If you are interviewing or do it more documentary style or selfie mode is having a repetitive word. And this is something that I'm guilty of quite a bit, you know, so okay. if you're going to do a reel or you're going to do a video, starting it with well, or so, or Hey guys, right? So if you can be conscious of that, and instead of maybe sometimes don't introduce like it's a new video, it's a continuation mm -hmm. of talking from what you said before, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Because I catch myself doing that way more than I think. That mm -hmm. I Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty of that. Um, and then it, it, honestly, you don't really notice it until you're playing back or you're editing. And every time you go to pop in a new segment of film, you've begun with saying the same thing. So that's something mm -hmm. just out of personal experience. I know for sure. I have a question for you. So I'm... I'm the one that always likes to have a camera in my hand. I take pictures and videos of everything. I'm sure it drives some people crazy. Um, it's yeah. for a lot of it's just for me. I have a terrible memory and yeah. um, I selfishly just want to capture all of those things. My kids, it drives them crazy, but regardless, I'm doing it. I also sometimes selfishly want to look like I was also there. Mm -hmm. So I'm the one who likes to film, do photography, all of that stuff. My fiance could never look at his phone and that would be fine for him. What would you suggest for somebody? Would it be, um, so what would you suggest for somebody who was not necessarily camera conscious or savvy? So if I asked Dustin like, Hey, will you film this? And he does not have a mind for it or he doesn't have the eye for it. What advice would you give to that person? So I have noticed my, I feel like, my husband was like that too. Cause I'm like, man, I just, I want to be here too. So let's go ahead and let's flip this camera this way for a little bit. Cause I was here or I want to remember this moment. Cause we're guilty of not taking photos together, even in yep. certain places. But if uh, one thing that Cody and I did for a while is I would hand him the camera and we would take a picture or a video and I'd go, okay, well, this is what we need to work on with how you film. Like, I feel like anything, if you throw it into like the rule of thirds, you have a lot better of a shot than you waited before. And that's such a simple thing to explain to people is where they're sitting out on that camera in that rule of thirds. Um, that's going to make your shot way better. It's going to look better. It's going to look clean. And if you have a really nice camera and your person doesn't really know how to use it, a lot of times you can throw it on autofocus and you can throw it on the settings that it needs to be and just hand it to them. And that way it's actually focused on you. You know where it's at and your lighting, you know, is good. I don't, I don't know if that's a really good answer to it, but, and it's also better to have crappy, crappy footage than no footage at all in my yeah. opinion. 
Like yeah. you want that moment captured. Well, and I know that I've, I've heard a lot of people, you know, say and feel the same way. And 100%, I enjoy doing that and capturing other people. But th- there definitely are moments where I want to be standing here with my kids. I want to be here standing mm-hmm. with you. You know, so sometimes it's a tripod throwing it on mm-hmm. to capture something. Sometimes you can get really uh, handy and, you know, put it in the front of your bino harness and set it up on something, you know, so you can get creative. But, you know, like you just said, you can't, I mean, you'll never capture what you don't press play or start on. Yeah. So just recording, getting some of that content. And for the people who are not necessarily um, camera savvy or don't feel like they know how to or feel like they're not good at it, you just got to kind of start, you know, playing around with it and getting those yeah. different things because it is experience and repetition just like anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Okay. Are you ready to like dig in? To like, oh, are we digging? T- are you ready? Okay, now the pod- I mean, we can. Now the podcast begins. Okay. So <laughs> okay. share like as much as you want to. And I'm going to do the same and like kind of talk about some things I haven't really, and this is gonna definitely be probably a two-part podcast. Yeah. Um, so you and I recently talked, and I'll give a little bit and you can give a little bit more about like change, embracing change, trying to figure out how to navigate it. Um how to do it in a way where you still feel like you can get clarity about making different decisions and and pivoting right in your life. Um, So you're kind of at a place right now where you are, you, you quit one job and you're really trying to like soul search. What is Jess Crane going to do? I'm going to let you take it from here so you can kind of uncover that. um, And just kind of talk about that because I know 110% that a lot of listeners, a lot of people feel like either one, they're not super happy in doing what they're passionate about. And they wonder, is there something more for me? Can I make change? Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I living in my purpose? And other people kind of just, they're, they're, just, they're just teetering on getting by and surviving or thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about what inspired your change and then also kind of where you are now and how you're navigating that. So it's pretty intimidating. I mean, like I said, I'm 26 and there's people that have their full on set careers of doing their nine to five jobs. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, if you're passionate and you enjoy what you do, you enjoy it. Um, but it was something that I just didn't enjoy. And I felt like this isn't me. What am I doing? And I, I mean, Luckily, I do have a very supportive husband. And I said, I, I just, I'm not happy. I'm not happy where I'm at. This is not, this is not fulfilling my life. Like this is my life that I want to take control of. And I quit the job that I was at. And little did I know that going to a ladies weekend would change me in more ways than I thought. I mean, honestly, these women that came to this, to came to this camp, just, it was inspiring. And I said, I just need to do what I want. I need to do my, my dream and what, like, like you always say, fills my cup. Like I need that. Um, so I got more and more into doing video stuff and I invested more and more into cameras and went into learning more about it and learning more about capturing hunts and capturing that type of lifestyle. And it's scary. And there's times that I'm like, man, should I just find a job? Should I just go find a nine to five job and live the American dream, I would say. And, you know, I have met some pretty cool people. Um, Ben with Shed Crazy, he, he inspires me a lot, man. He, 
quit his job and he is freaking hunting for a living, supporting his family and doing what he loves to do. And that that's inspiring to me. I, that's, I, that's all I want to do is do something that I want to look back on my life when I'm 90 years old and go, that was good. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that I took that leap. So I'm in between right now and I've filmed a couple hunts. Um, and I'm now I'm editing and going through them and almost done with the Alaska hunt. So I'm pretty dang excited about that. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard place to be. And I'm inspired by your recognition that like, you're not necessarily doing what you love and want to do. And Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of people's story stops because they just continue to go hamster wheeling through that same old unhappy in their job or unfulfilled in their life. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't blame them. Right. Because, because we're all kind of fed this, you've got to, you've got to have a title. Mm -hmm. You have to, your worth is connected to your productivity. Um, you got to fit in this box in this mold. But what happens when people are doing that and they're unhappy and they're, you know, depressed and they're potentially, you know, their, their relationships are suffering sometimes because if we're not happy in what we're doing and and think about it, like the average person works, you know, something around 40 hours a week. That's a long time time. to be miserable, Mm -hmm. not to mention the time coming or going or anticipating your work that you're just Mm -hmm. dreading it. So you're in this dread mode constantly. And I have a lot of respect for you because you recognized you might be in a similar place to what I just mentioned. And that's not for you, you know, and not, and it's, yeah, it's really hard too to come from a family that if you don't have a full time job and you're not working as much as you can, what are you doing with your life? It's like there's that mold that just is you got to break free of. And you, I mean, I get that you got to make ends meet, you got to make it work. And that story is going to look different for every single person. And there's sacrifices you have to make. But I'm here to tell you that it's worth it. If it's, if it's your dream, it's, there's some compromise you have to make. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, I can relate a hundred percent with that because, um, I love my family dearly, but Mm -hmm. our, um, our recognition on work is very different. Um, my mom works uh, a nine to five, um, which quite honestly, she's, so far as I can ever remember as a, as a kid growing up, she has not liked her job. And I mean, Mm -hmm. by not like, I mean, dreads it, you know, just, just is so unhappy. And, um, my dad has always worked. uh, They both work very hard. My dad has always worked very hard in his own business. And so they know that grind. And my mom especially knows the grind of being showing up to do something that you're miserable doing. Um, and I'm not talking badly by any, by any means, but that that's been my vision. My dad's a hustler. He has his own business. He works way, way too much to the point that at some points was really a point of contention in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom shows up and grinds through something she doesn't like. And so I almost, I, I kind of teeter in and out. Um, and I am personally in there right now. And this is not something that I've talked about publicly. And I, you know, one part of me kind of like wants to like shut my mouth right now. The other part of me has to just be very vulnerable and open and honest and say, I have been in the fitness, uh, industry. I've owned a business for long time. Um, I've been in fitness for 20 years. I love fitness. I love my clients. 
I enjoy helping people achieve that. I'm also not fulfilled in my job anymore. And I haven't been for quite some time. That is not any reflection on those clients. It just, it, I finally found that I'm not in my groove. And I don't know if you can relate, maybe if you felt this way, where you just feel like you're almost just going through the motions. Um, you're mm-hmm. showing up, you're going through it, you're doing the things. But at the end of the day, the things that kind of consume your mind or the things that you start to daydream about are like the polar opposite of where you are right now. And that's, that's again, that's where I've been. And uh, to speak back to what you said, you recognize that you weren't there and you knew it wasn't going to be easy. And from our recent conversations, it's still probably not that easy, right? Kind of wondering where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. How do you, how are you getting through that? And like what action steps, if any, are you taking to kind of help move yourself forward, even if it's just a quarter inch at a time? So, I mean, I have days that I am just, not into it. I'm like, is this even worth it? What am I even doing? And those days I have a list on my phone of like certain goals that I want to get done and why, like just even thoughts that are written down that way. I know, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I want to do. And this is, and that can change. I mean, as you were saying, like with your fitness industry at first, like there's stuff that just you love and you enjoy, but you change as a person over time. And it's okay to change your goals and to alternate your goals to fit your life because it's your life. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you just, I just keep those positive things in my phone. That way I can look at them and go, oh yeah, I'm doing it because of this reason. And I have this reason and why I'm doing it. If you have a good why, you're going to get there. Totally. You totally will. I love that. And it's, it's very true. And it it goes back, honestly, to my fitness background, thinking about helping people with behavior and habit change. If you don't know why you're trying to achieve something different, if there's not an emotional connection to that, you're probably not going to be successful at moving the bar. And it's, it's really true. And, and obviously, I love that that helps move you forward. And having those written down that list of things where you can not only just just look at it and read it and have the affirmation, but you can add to it, you can build, you can morph, you can change, which is something that I think has been really hard for me figuring out if my identity is not as Courtney Levesque, the fitness coach, the personal trainer, this, you know, fitness business owner, who am I? Mm -hmm. And is that ego? Uh, is that um, tying what I do to who I am and a negative? I don't. I don't know what it is. This mm-hmm. is me just kind of spitballing. This is where I'm at now. Um, but I think it's it's important to vocalize because I feel like other people are there too. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they have to. They have to be. I mean, there's people that I know in my circle that are in the same exact position, and just because it's different goals, it's still the same situation. But where I'm going to be at 10 from me, 10 years from now, I'm not totally positive, but I have an idea of what I want to do. And that's what I, and I know that I've never been happier following what I want to do. That, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I think that's good. And, uh, I'm for the second time now reading atomic habits by James mm-hmm. clear, which is an incredible book. Um, every time I read it, it's funny. Cause every time I read it, it's, it's so enriching. It's like the first time that I've read it. Um, and one of the things that he really, really just like makes a point to say is having goals 
great. But having a goal, thinking about something you want to achieve, having this benchmark set for you doesn't do jack about getting you there. What's important is the the 1% things, the 1% change that you make every day to move the needle higher. So instead of focusing on Um, I want to have, you know, a seven figure media company, X, Y, Z. What do you do in the interim? You're going to focus on putting a camera in your hand, networking Mm -hmm. with people, doing Mm -hmm. all of those things. If it, it, you know, if you want to lose weight, if you want to save money, if you want to get married, if you, you just have to do the actions, right? Because the goal doesn't get you any closer to achievement. It's yeah. the actions that you put in every single day. Yeah. I find checklists really help me with that. And, and it can be like just a broad checklist of, Hey, you need to get this done today, get it done. Because a lot of these things that grow you. And I've said this a million times on here is uncomfortable. A lot of things that you want, don't want to do to it's to get you to that next point. So if you have that checklist, okay, I just need to get this done, start small and then just start making, you're going to start moving mountains. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that progress and you'll see yourself grow, but focus on yourself. I mean, I know that's hard for a lot of people to do, but just focus on yourself and realize that these uncomfortable tasks and goals will help you grow so much in the long run. Something that's hard for me, Jess, is that I constantly feel like there has to be validation. So for me, I'm somebody who's definitely my self worth is very much connected to my productivity. If Mm -hmm. I'm not hustling, and if I'm not achieving, and if I'm not constantly chasing the next thing for me, I'm like, who am I? Like, I'm like, in the corner, I'm like, sweats on hat down low. I'm like, Oh, you know, like not a good place for me. So I think sometimes too, you have to step back and, and go, I don't constantly have to be getting the next thing. Right. Sometimes it's just embracing like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm 37. I have two teenage boys. And you know, as much as they don't know what they're going to be, I kind of don't know what I'm going to be either. Yeah, you're stuck in such this motto of you have your life figured out. Once you're an adult, and you go to work and you go to work from nine to five, there's still nothing wrong with that not talking bad about it. But there's such this structure in people get lost when they're like, that doesn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. And when you step outside of that zone, it's like you, people don't realize that there's jobs outside of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can create things. And I, I said this to you the other day, because <clears throat> you and I were talking about kind of a concept and idea. And um, your reply back was, I, I, I don't know. I'm not in, I'm not out. I just don't know what I want. And, and I said it as much for you in that text message as I said it for myself what you want to do or be or become doesn't have to have a title. It doesn't have to already be written. It doesn't have to have parameters where you just fit perfectly into this little box, right? You get to, we get get to create what we are and what we do and what we become. And that might sound very millennial. um, But I think honestly, if I can fully embrace that mentality I get to find more and joy being present in what I'm doing now and not worried about doing enough or moving in the right direction. Yeah. I see that. I totally see that. 
but just every time I talk to you about this stuff, it just get it gets my mind rolling. And I hope that people listening, it gets them thinking, of, you know, what am I doing? What, where do I want to be? And what are my, what are my future plans? And where do I want to go? And even if you don't know, I mean, mm-hmm. we were just talking about this. It's like, you can't even, even if you don't have a for sure set plan on every single part that you want to do, just roll with it, roll with it, brainstorm with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't allow your self-worth to be interlaced with your current level of productivity. I'm not saying mm-hmm. put your feet up and don't do nothing. You know, I'm saying work for it, but I'm saying don't allow yourself to feel bad about who you are and where you're at if you just don't know yet. Yeah. Because right? there's, there's, there's not a, and I was thinking about this too the other day. This is just me rambling and thinking out loud that, you know, we, we all, we, I think a lot of us wait for the right time. When's yeah. the right time to buy a house? When's the right time to have a baby? When's the right time to start a business? When's the right time to leave my nine to five? And, you know, as cliche as it is, again, we get stuck never making change or overthinking everything, or becoming mm-hmm. so full of anxiety because we're constantly trying to, when's the right time to jump in? Right. Maybe there isn't a right time. Maybe there's never going to be, maybe there's a better time, Yeah, you know, but maybe there's not a right time. No. I mean, you'll, I'm just a broken record. You will like, everything's going to be uncomfortable. Like it's going to, you're going to be like, Oh, I'm waiting for this comfortable time for me to have this right time to get in there. And it'll just work out so great. No, like there's not a right time. It's going to be hard. It's going to suck at times, but then there's going to be times you sit back and go, yes, I did this. Mm-hmm. I stepped outside of my comfort zone and I created the life that I wanted. And eventually you'll sit back and go, I did it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought this morning you were going to be sitting in your closet with a blanket over your head. <laughs> right. And, and I, I will, I will actually take a picture. So when this podcast goes live, I will post in my stories, uh, what, what this actually looks like right now. <laughs> I'm on top of an action packer with two down blankets with a microphone. I didn't know if it was going to work because when I packed it to come up to Alaska, I broke the back piece. I mean, this is not pretty. So if we would have waited for like the right time to look a certain way. Um, well, you're not in the closet, by the way. I don't think. I think I'm there's not. A, yeah. No, I'm in my dining room. My entire house has wood floors. So I'm like, blankets are everywhere. But I just wanted to have some kind of light. So I feel like if it was in my closet, I would just be completely just blackwood build the scene. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm picturing you like in there, just like blanket <laughs> over your head. You're just like, got me over. Right. No, it didn't work out that way, which is, which is no. great. But you know, mentally I got to talk to myself out of this morning. Like, Oh, maybe it's not the right time. Yeah. But, it's easy to do that. Yeah. It totally it's is. It's so easy to do that. And it's honestly, just talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with being on on this podcast, I mean, this is the first podcast I've been on. And I was talking to Cody yesterday. I said, I'm just nervous. What if I put my freaking foot in my mouth? What if I do this? What if I do that? Maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe I need more experience. And I'm sitting here talking myself out of it. And Cody looks at me and goes, dude, you just went to Alaska. And you've accomplished so much more than you think. It's like, step outside of that and just realize, yes, it's the right time. Like, everything can always be better. but most of it will turn out better than mm-hmm. you think. 
Mm-hmm. So it wasn't terrible. Your first time podcasting wasn't terrible. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So what's next for you? What's going on? Um, I am editing like crazy. So when I'm home, I am editing. I'm either at a coffee shop or I'm at home and trying to get that stuff done, trying to learn a lot about mm-hmm. it too. Um, but I've also been gone a lot of hunts. So it's been a balance between being on hunts and being in recording and editing and all of that type of stuff but it's been a learning curve and pretty dang fun honestly awesome good well i'm excited to see what you roll out so you and your sister just went on she drew an oregon once a lifetime goat tag uh not jealous total lie oh my i'm very jealous um (laughs) but real fast recap what that was like you know from the time that you guys found out she was going on this uh this hunt that she drew the tag to Mm -hmm. like being there to like coming out she obviously well i'll let you tell how did it go (laughs) so she found out they actually were looking at seed numbers which i'm not really familiar with some people who are listening might be um it's just it kind of gives you the odds of whether you're going to draw it, what place you're in to draw it. And she was literally like the second in like, she was so freaking close to that seed number. And we were all convinced she's going to get it. And I remember waking up in the morning and it was like four o'clock in the morning. I text her cause I know tags were out. And I was like, did you get it? And she was, Oh my gosh, I got it. She turned around and she said she woke up her husband and they were both just freaking out and just shocked, but also excited. Cause they kind of, kind of knew it was coming a little bit. They just weren't a hundred percent. And just like with Alaska, it's a type of hunt that we're not used to hunting. You know, we're not used to going after it's a different, the different terrain. It's a different everything. So we backpacked in and stayed out there for a couple days and she, she got it done. She got a 650 yard shot and took him down. That's awesome. It was, I mean, it was totally different style of hunting and it kind of reminded me of moose hunting and the fact of you look across um, a canyon that if you, if there was an elk over there and this was elk terrain, you could probably get to it, but you can't a lot of these. I mean, you have to figure out if that's in a spot that you can recover that animal. And if that's a spot that humans can get to because mm-hmm. they live in some crazy terrain, mm-hmm. but I think she grew so much from this trip. And I know just the experience of me being there and filming that hunt, was I grew in it too. And it was pretty, pretty epic. Oh, that's so awesome. What was your favorite moment of that hunt? Ooh. Um, Oh, when you, when you guys see it is when her shot is after she shot and he went down and we got the radio call of the guy on the other side of the Canyon saying he's down. We got him. I mean, her emotion. And this is why I love filming. I mean, her raw emotion, everybody's emotion was just, it gives me chills just talking about it. You just don't realize how grateful hunters are and how much they appreciate that animal until you watch those clips. Yeah. And it just gives me goosebumps every time. (laughs) I can't wait to see it. Do you have a general (laughs) timeline of when it might be coming out? So, um, I should be done with Alaska this week. And then that one is a lot shorter. So a lot less footage. So I should be able to get that done within the next month. Awesome. I mean, I know it sounds weird. It's just, I have, I'm learning in this process of editing. So it takes me maybe a little bit longer, a little bit, sometimes shorter than I think it's going to take, but. Well, there's so much to it. And honestly, when it comes to film, you know, you can put something out there and to anybody else, they'll look at it and go, Oh, that was awesome. Or that was great. Or that, you know, and then when you watch it, all you can, I know this is for me when I watch something back that I've filmed and edited together, 
I'm always like, it's the timing of something or it's where I should have transitioned something quicker or, you know, you pick apart those things. And so I think it's almost like a double edged sword to, to maybe film and produce this, the show. And I could be, I could be wrong. Maybe this is just, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. Because then you're, you're picking apart like from so many different layers of things that uh, sometimes that I think can hinder how quickly something comes out because you're constantly like over analyzing it. Yeah. Yeah. I said that I, I'm too much of a perfectionist and it kind of bothers me and that I'm not saying that in like an ego standpoint of, Oh man, I'm so like, right. No, I, I make sure things perfect. Yeah. It's just, I, <clears throat> I overanalyze it. And I'm like, man, I see these videos in certain areas and not copying them in any ways, but I catch a little bit from everybody's videos and I oh, go, yeah. this is how I want it to look in my way. And it's going to look that way because that's how I, I think of it. And that's what I want to look it to look like because this is like, this is our production here. Like Mm -hmm. this is one of the first big things that I'm putting out and it's been some pressure on myself that I'm putting on myself, but I am stoked for it to come out. I can't wait to see all of it. And I can't wait to see what you're doing in the future. And at some point down the road, we're going to have to do an update, just get you back on again and talk about, you know, what's, what's new, new then. Right. So absolutely. That'll be cool. In the meantime, where can people catch up with you, find you online? So I am mainly just on Instagram and TikTok. Um, my Instagram is underscore Jessica Crane underscore. And then my TikTok's underscore Jess Crane underscore. Um, I'm mainly active on that. Not a big Facebook person, but yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks for going to Alaska with us. That was fun. <laughs> that was epic. Um, but yeah, we'll be sure to catch up soon. And uh, yeah, I thank you for stepping out on the uh, the limb or jumping off the cliff or however you want, whatever analogy you want to throw (laughs) at it. Um, I think that you are just an incredibly strong, even in those moments, like when you're talking about the podcast or going to Alaska, like when you have some reservations, ultimately, and not that just like being a type two junkie, right. For just like this (laughs) crazy adventure. Um, but you're led by experience and, um, Two days before my grandma passed away from pancreatic cancer, she looked at me and I'll never forget this. And sometimes I almost feel like I use her words, um, maybe to an extreme, but she said, don't get to the end of your life and wish you would have done what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. When you say yes to an opportunity, you're saying yes to something new and mm-hmm. the potential for shifting your perspective, upgrading yeah. your life. Um, changing the outcome of who you become and, 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 and what you learn over time. And, and that's the point, right? The point yeah. to life is that we get to enjoy it and we get to be, for me, I'm going to be more present. That's my thing. I woke up with this song in my head this morning um, out of absolutely nowhere. And I played it as I was having my coffee and I was crying like a little baby. And I thought, that's it. Yeah. I just got to be more present because I don't know what I'm doing right now. Other mm-hmm. than right here, I'm getting to talk to my friend, Jess. And yeah, hopefully, no, in, I, hopefully inspire a couple people along the way. Yeah, I so agree. And just with trying new things and getting out and doing things, I struggle when I don't know what I'm doing. I, I struggle when something's brand new. And this year has really proven to me and myself that doing new things is scary, but it's also very beneficial in your life. And it's okay to not know what you're doing. And it's okay to be vulnerable in not knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And that's something I've struggled with, but I'm kind of overcoming this year. Well, dude, that's hard. And I, I can, I can so feel that. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, I was the girl 
And I transferred into a tiny, not a small, but a tiny high school where everybody else had been established and had gone most of their lives. And I was the girl who was picked on and made fun of and bullied a ton. And when it came to choosing teams or getting together in projects or finding groups, guess who was always last? Me. So being vulnerable is something I've learned to try to mask. I've tried to learn to overcome it. And, you know, I think for, for somebody who's been in that experience, it is really uncomfortable to do something new for the first time because there's no control about how you'll feel or how you'll look or if you'll mess it up or if you'll do it right. And I think truly that's such a detriment to what we get to experience if we're constantly worried about the vulnerability of being new at something. It's okay to be green. It really Mm -hmm. is. It's okay to not know. It's okay to start and look like a total train wreck, but over time you get to refine that. And gosh, not being perfect at something gives you so much opportunity to learn and grow, like truly, truly grow and have depth to who you are as a person and deepen your character. Yeah. I'm here for that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Your gem. Thank you so much. Jess Crane, 10 out of 10. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you back here um, some other time. In the meantime, find Jess on Instagram and TikTok. She is sure to entertain. And honestly, your just even like your 30 second clips really do inspire. So go check her out. Thank you. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.